Welcome to the God Be Crazy podcast. We're your hosts, Christy Penny and Bonnie Thomas. We are best friends with a joint mission to tell the world all about this crazy God who loves us. What kind of crazy, you ask? Urban Dictionary defines crazy as someone who goes against the rules, a person who acts in a manner that normal society doesn't approve of. We would add that crazy can be defined as enigmatic, meaning mysterious or speaking in riddles, often misunderstood. God tells us in Isaiah 55, 8-9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Yet even though he is enigmatic, he tells us in seven places in scripture that if we seek him, we will find him when we search with all of our heart. Journey with us as we seek him and explore even more evidence that confirms God be crazy. Welcome back to God Be Crazy. Today on the podcast, we're talking about a subject everybody should know a little something about. Yeah. And that is suffering. We've all suffered to one degree or another. And today we're going to talk about all the degrees from one side to the other and one extreme to the yeah, other. Yeah, one end of the spectrum to mm-hmm. the other. Because you and I are pretty much that those ends of the spectrum. Yeah. You and I recently took the ACEs quiz. So if you don't know, this stands for Adverse Childhood Events Scale. And it's a 10 question or 10 statement quiz that you take about your early childhood experiences, zero to 18. And we we knew we were on opposite ends of the spectrum before we have talked about many times. It's funny how right. God called us to work together because we are so different or we are, we think differently. We act differently. We have wildly different experiences in our life. But this test after this quiz, after we took it, we were like, okay, we knew it was extreme, <laughs> but this is truly extreme. So my ACEs quiz, my ACEs test that I took had a zero. Well, what? So before we talk about that, like what are, what does a zero mean? What does a five mean? What's a 10 mean? Like what is it? What does this ACEs test measure? Right. Okay. So first of all, anyone can take this. You go on the internet, you go to aces2high.com and you can take this. You can also take the resiliency test we're going to talk about, but this is 10 questions about the experiences that you've had in your life. And they are 10 adverse experiences that affect and impact your physical, emotional, psychological, mental health and functioning. And they said that they did, they only did these particular 10 childhood traumas. It explains all this if you take the quiz, but it said Mm -hmm. that they only did these particular 10 childhood traumas because these are the 10 that were mentioned as most common by a group of people that they surveyed. And in that, that was the most common things that had been researched and studied on these 10 traumas. Right. To have affected your health and all the aspects of your health. So examples of these, it asks questions like number one is did a parent or other adult in the household often or very often swear at you, insult you, put you down or humiliate you or act in a way that made you afraid that you might be physically hurt. So the questions are along those lines. It's asking about experiences that you had that you may have um, experienced that are traumatic or hard or difficult or challenging or would have presented um, a a problem to you, wounded you in some way. 
And I think it's important as you take these assessments or any assessments like these, that these are all meant as guidelines and they are just used so that whenever you walk into like a counseling setting or like in this instance, when we're, Mm -hmm. we're talking about our own lives and we're dealing with that with each other, we're talking about things when you are looking at it, it's an, it's a guideline. And if you've experienced other types of trauma or stresses over the years, those also would impact your health and Mm -hmm. how you react. Mm Mm-hmm. So these are just guidelines. That's all. Right. So of the scores that you could get, you get a zero to 10 score. Okay. So zero means none of these things happened to me. 10 means every single one of those things happened to me, maybe multiple things, even from one question. So in one question, they may ask like four or five different traumas. Did either of these things happen to you? And if you answer yes to any of them, you get a one, you get a one technically you, you maybe all four of them apply, but you only can't, they only gives you one point. Right. So the maximum you can score is a 10. And so when we did it, I scored a goose egg. I had not one of these adverse childhood experiences pre 18 from 18 um, below. I didn't have one of them. Yeah. And that is going to impact the way that I'm able to suffer the way the the experiences I had young. So what does it mean if you have, um, well, I had a nine. Yeah. Um, what is, so if you take the test, what does it mm-hmm. tell people who don't, don't know um, right. psychologically, what is the impact of having a nine versus mm-hmm. having a zero or right. having a four or a five or a 10? Yeah. Know, what's the significance? So the researchers came up with this to basically explain a person's risk for chronic disease or mental illness or social and emotional problems. So basically the higher your ACE score, the higher your risk of health, um, whether that is your mental health, your emotional health, your physical psychological, health. physical, like um, the higher your risk of problems to your health and so the higher risk that you will have social and re- yeah, relational the problems. The more likely you are to fall into a category that will cause you to need some type of help. Yeah, line. intervention. Yeah. yeah. So as that ACE score increases, so does your risk for all of these issues and problems. So they say that an ACE score of four or more, they call it things, it starts to be clinically significant or more serious. So if you have a score of four or more, that probably means counseling. You you will need some help Mm -hmm. somewhere along the line. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that people zero to three, let me be very clear, that people zero to three are just as much human as everybody else and still need help and still get lost along the way. Well, and this is specific, like we said, to these 10 types of childhood trauma. And it's Mm -hmm. also specific to 18 and below. And there are lots of things that happen after 18 (laughs) that that are going to factor in. And there are things other than these 10 things that happen Mm -hmm. in your life that could cause, you know, Mm -hmm. the need for you to reach out and to get help with things or, they could cause pro- significant problems for you. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be these 10 things, but this is specific to these 10 things. Right. So even more specifically, it's saying that the likelihood of certain diseases increases X amount of percent based on your score. So it says that your likelihood of chronic pulmonary lung disease increases 390%. And then it goes on 
to say depression, 460%. Suicide, you are 1,220 times more likely, or no, 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 percent. it's a percent, yeah. The percentage increases to 1,220% likelihood. More likely. More yeah. likely that you will either attempt or actually commit suicide if you have the higher you go up yeah. this scale. So as we tap into suffering, our suffering looks really different when I have, I'm sitting over here with my goose egg of zero <sighs> on an ACEs scale and you have a nine. Yeah, it does look different. And the reason that we took this test and are talking about this with you guys is because the Lord laid it on our hearts to talk about suffering. And as we were talking about it, we recognized that we already knew that we come from two very different perspectives on things, but listening to you talk about um, how you deal with the suffering that comes into your life and how you apply that and how you apply what you know about God in mm -hmm. your life to based on your suffering mm -hmm. is very different. The words you use, the things that you do, it looked very different than how I mm -hmm. interpret those things. And so because of that, we thought it was important that we discuss both ends of the spectrum and we show how God shows up in our lives, both of our lives, and how we find a common ground in God. And in all of this, even in your zero and my nine and everyone in between on the scale, mm -hmm. that God is still good and God is still sovereign. And we want to talk about that with you guys. Mm -hmm. And what we choose to do with the suffering that we have endured or will endure. All of us are going to endure it, whether you are a yep. zero or a 10, or like you said, anywhere in between. But the question we're really asking ourselves as mm -hmm. we suffer and you all is, will you choose, will we choose to allow our suffering to sanctify us, to grow us up, to grow us closer to the Lord and um, be reconciled to him in that? Or will we allow it to sink us and to separate us from God, do we follow the path of sanctification or separateness? Yeah. Do we run to God or do we run from him in yeah. the moments that are the hardest for us? Mm -hmm. That's the real question. And what does that look like practically? Because for you, um, experiencing your suffering and talking about it and what you do to get through it and mm -hmm. how you move forward from that looks and sounds a little different than mine. Yeah. And the time even in the wrestle, as we've talked about, is different. Like I can marinate in some truth and I can feel it more readily than you do. And even though you know it, it takes a little bit longer, probably yeah. due to that nine that we just <laughs> talked about, for your whole body to come into agreement with what the truth is. It, there's more Well, and it of also a, depends on what you're talking about. Well, that's when you true. say truth, it's not just across the board truth. It's mm -hmm. certain things are harder for me to hold to. Right. And for instance, a very real one for us is you have always, you've talked about how you've always felt like God is loving and kind and how much he loves you. Mm -hmm. And I haven't known that God for me 
God was legalistic and um, punishing and it was all based on rules. And if you didn't do this, then you're going to hell. Mm -hmm. I didn't have the perspective that, I mean, I knew the Bible said God loves me. I know, I know that. And I heard it and I believed that he loved me, but I thought that the only ways he could love me was through these punishing ways. And that if I wasn't good enough, then I wasn't going to make it. But the thing, that's the just the thing. It was like I was being taught that I had to be good enough, but you can never be good enough. Mm -hmm. We will never be good enough mm -hmm. for God. And that is that is the reason that Jesus Christ had to come and die for our sins because he was the only perfect person on earth. He was the only one that never sinned. Mm -hmm. He was the only one that was able to walk this life and be pure in heart and mind and soul and body. And he's the only one. And we needed him to do that for us to have a chance because we can't do it. Mm -hmm. No the, one. Yeah. So what I was taught was that I had to be good enough. Also that you will never be good enough. Well, <laughs> how do you meet that expectation? You know, like it's impossible. Yeah. And that, that for me caused a big gap in seeing God as this loving God. I didn't see him that way, which is wildly different than the God you were taught about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. God was so comforting and ever present help in times of trouble. I totally believe that I can connect to that. And I know that I can connect to that because I had a lot of early experiences of being comforted. And I like my heaven, my earthly parents did comfort me. I have tons of memories of being comforted. And so that's not a giant stretch and I can almost comfort myself with the, the visual knowledge. Like I visualize God literally being close because I know he is logically, but I can feel it or connect to it much more readily because I had experiences that reinforced it. And it's not that I didn't ever have experiences where I was comforted. That, that couldn't be further from the truth yeah. because I did have those yeah. experiences. It was just that there were other experiences that trumped mm -hmm. those moments of comfort that mm -hmm. I was given. And those, they overshadowed them and they sure. outweighed the, the trauma outweighed the comfort. Mm -hmm. And the deep shame that comes with those adverse childhood experiences is to carry that as a little person has an effect as, on a grown person. And also... I did not grow up in a home that went to church. We didn't, I mean, I went to church. I sought out God myself right. as a very young child. Mm -hmm. But now my great grandmother, my grandmother always read the Bible and had one out. And my great grandmother was very mm -hmm. um, religious, but in my household, mm -hmm. my parents didn't, they believed in God, but they didn't go to church, you know, mm -hmm. and they didn't teach us to go to church and we went to Sunday school. No, not Sunday school. Sorry. We went to Bible school. Wait, what's it called? Miss like BBS. BBS. Okay. Yes. I'm sorry. I don't know why, what was wrong with my brain, but it is not <laughs> wanting to work right now. Yeah. We would go like to VBS. If one of our friends would invite us or a cousin or somebody would invite us, we may go to a VBS or, um, as I got a little older, <clears throat> excuse me, we were able to go to like, um, um, church camp. Mm -hmm. I went to church camp a few times. Um, but, 
growing up in our household, we were not talking about Jesus and we were not talking about the love of Jesus. We were not talking Mm -hmm. about what Jesus did for our lives and not having that perspective growing up is also a different experience from you. Mm -hmm. Like you were taught. Yes. I, I, that Bible that you say your grandmother had out, I, my dad, I have fond memories of waking up and my dad was often out of the house before I got up to go to school because um, he worked and he got up early and was out of the house. But I would see the Bible laid out on our kitchen table at the, the end, the end seat. I remember where it was. And usually I could see the evidence that my dad was there and he was spending time with God before he left at five thirty in the morning to go to work. And I saw it whenever I got in trouble, I remember you know, being corrected in love. Sometimes I wasn't corrected in love, but sometimes <laughs> I went I, more often than not, I was corrected in love. And even whenever my parents made mistakes or were more harsh than I think they should have been, I can see truly what was underneath it. Even in the moments I could see that as a kid, um, doesn't mean it still hurt whenever they veered off right. course, but, but I knew the underlying message that they were coming from was they were correcting me because they want, they knew the right way to live and I was out of line. And so I had those experiences. I had comfort. I had, um, we went to church every Sunday, twice on Sunday and every Wednesday I was in youth group. You know, it was, I knew the Bible. I knew what the Bible said and I believed it from a very young age. I had internal conversations with God. We now, we call that prayer, but I didn't realize how that was. I was praying all day long. Like I was having internal conversations with God as a little person. And I always was aware that he was with me. And I don't think that that is, that's not quite normal. I've learned. I don't think that most people are, kids below the age of 10 have internal conversations with themselves thinking, you know, bringing God into that equation on an ongoing basis. But I did. And you know, when I know what's funny is that I had heard of this God that was good because my grandmother talked about that. My great grandmother talked about that. And I had been in church services and stuff. And I'm like, I remember being that little child and going, God, where are you? Mm-hmm. Where are you? Because I would call out to this God that I didn't know because my family didn't teach us those things. That just wasn't what was common conversation. And when I was in the middle of some of my hardest trauma, I was crying out to God, where are you? Mm-hmm. You are supposed to love me. It impacted how I saw God. Mm-hmm. Sure. You say he loves me. The, this book says he loves me so much he died for me. Reconcile that to my brain. My brain that is being traumatized on repeat. Yeah. Like the child who had a sexual deviant mm-hmm. attacking her, calling out to God, where are you? That kid had a hard time hearing 
God loves you. He sees you. He, you mm-hmm. are not, go- you are not going to be alone. You didn't have a felt sense of safety as you move about your childhood and your upbringing. And I did, I yeah. have felt sense of safety. Now I will say on the flip side of that, I've learned there's a downside to being or feeling that subjective sense of safety because the world isn't safe. Right. And the hard things that I've walked through in my life have, have, caused me to realize that that zero on the aces comes with a backside. It does. And that is, it's, it's evident as, Mm -hmm. you know, we talk about our stories and talk about our lives because of the way that I grew up. I don't trust readily. (laughs) I have, my guard is up 24 seven with everyone. I may be like smiling, shaking your hand, saying hi to you, but I'm looking around like, we go into a restaurant. You're vigilant. I'm vigilant. Hyper vigilant. Hyper even. Yeah. I'm not sitting. My back isn't to the door. I'm mm-hmm. going to see who's coming in, who's around. I'm going to be able to see the place. Or I ain't sitting there. You are always on security watch. Always. <laughs> we walk through a store. I'm, I've seen everybody around. Everybody mm-hmm. in the parking lot. Everybody in the store. Like I have, I have like scanned the room. I'm reading mm-hmm. the room. You know, like I'm paying attention. Sometimes I pass you driving down the road. You don't even see me. I'm like, how do you even function? I know. I know. You're like, like, did you see that? Or did you notice that person? I'm like, no. And you're like, how in the world have you navigated this? (laughs) Like, how did you not see that? I'm like, how did you, how do you not get more hurt? Like, like, that's what you will die. If you were not, (laughs) you know, like someone came into my office. It was thankfully someone cleaning the office, but someone came in while we were on the phone this week and you were like, I was like, oh, someone just came in. And you were like, are you not going to go see who came in to your <laughs> office? You didn't don't have someone scheduled. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I could. But I just assumed it's probably the cleaner. And you're like, well, go check. See if it is. And I'm like, oh, it probably is. I'm super trusting. In fact, that landed me. Being super trusting has landed me in the wrong relationships with people. I had no business trusting. Yeah. who were showing me how deceptive they are. And I'm like, oh, well, maybe they didn't mean it like that. Right. And what I've learned is maybe they did. <laughs> there are people on the earth that totally mean to hurt you, who intentionally set you up to, to wound you and yeah. don't care about it. Yeah. And that in my little, you know, zero scale, <laughs> my little A score zero says, surely not. The world is safe. And I have learned through very, very hard lessons. Some people, most people actually mm-hmm. are not trustworthy. Right. They are not safe just because someone attends church and speaks the language yep. doesn't make them safe. Just because someone can sing and praise Jesus doesn't mean they are in their heart. Doesn't mean they are in their actions. Yep. Doesn't mean whenever no one's watching that they are honoring those those things that they say in the light. And I have learned and gotten myself into long-term relationships and friendships with people I should have been running away from. Yeah. And you, when you walk into a room and you see, you can see the untrust, the, the, the red flags waving over people's heads. I feel like, like you can be like, and we are not going to be talking to that person or like you detect it readily. So, and so it's a gift of one of the things that you've been through is you can see a a crook coming a mile away. (laughs) One of the downsides of my zero is I don't see people that are out to get me. Yeah. You say a crook. I want to, yeah. Go back to like, like you said, I usually 
see the people that are playing, trying to play with me. Yeah. Like you, if you're trying to manipulate me, if you're trying to sell me something that isn't true, I can smell that from a mile away, mm-hmm. but I've had a lot, a lifetime of experience of that. Mm-hmm. The downside to that, like the opposite of what you're saying, the downside yeah. of that is sometimes I assign that behavior to people that are just trying to protect themselves and mm-hmm. they're not really out to get me. Mm-hmm. So I have to be careful that I allow the Holy Spirit to discern in me because I have spotty senses, y'all, mm-hmm. that are my own based off the trauma mm-hmm. that I've dealt with in my life. Mm-hmm. But then I, there's a whole separate thing that God has done in my life and that God has done in my heart. And that is to point out things Sometimes he shows me things and I'm like, I don't want to God because the human part of me just doesn't want to, but he is showing me things. He's saying, you got to deal with this person. I'm like, "Mm -mm, they're not safe. And he's like, I'm telling you, you're dealing with these people. And I'm like, "Mm -mm, they're not safe. And he's like, do it. And I'm like, okay. You know, like, and that's how it is in my head. Like, And that's part of my wrestle. When I say I wrestle with God, I'm like, God, sometimes it is, I don't want to do this. They're not safe. And he's like, I'm telling you, they are safe. You can trust me. Mm-hmm. Do you trust me? Mm-hmm. This is his wrestle with me. And I, between him and I a lot, I hear him say, do you trust me? And I have to go, Ooh, I mean, yes, I do. But and he's like, no, there's not a but in that. It's a yes or a no. Do you trust me or don't you trust me to lead you? And I'm like, oh, but I remember what it feels like whenever the people don't do good to me and it's bad and I don't want to do that. And he's like, do you trust me? And I'm like, yes, but and he's like, no, it's yes or no. And this is y'all are getting a little glimpse into what it sounds like when I'm wrestling with him. And, And this is what we do. And he loves me enough to allow me to have this wrestle with him. And then he comes behind me and says, remember, I got you. And I'm like, oh yeah, you do. You do got me. And you have proven that Mm -hmm. you've got me over and over and you've showed up and you showed me and he has been so patient with me and he showed me where he was in my abuse. I asked, I asked when I was a child and I asked when I was an adult, but he actually physically showed me in a dream and a vision where he was physically at while it took place. I saw him. I saw what he saw. And mm-hmm. I was able to have experiences that he has given me through this. He he didn't have to prove that he was trustworthy to me because he's God. Yeah. He doesn't have to do that. He doesn't owe me that. But he loves us all enough to meet us where we are. And for me, he knew that if he didn't do that to some degree for me, that it was going to be hard for me. And he chose to do that for me. He didn't have to. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to show me those things. So whenever he and I are wrestling, I still, the human part of me still goes, nope, ain't doing that. Guards up. You know, mm-hmm. like, get away, get away, get away now. Like, get these people <laughs> away from me. You know, like, I. that's what I think. Yeah, run away. And run away, run away, run away. And he's like, listen, we're going to go toward them and i'm like nah we're not yes we are no and then he's like christy (laughs) do you trust me and i'm like yeah and he's like 
do you trust me? And sometimes he says it on repeat until I'm like, yes, I trust you. Okay, I'm doing it. You know, like it is a struggle to re-engage with people when so many people, your body is wired to be scared of of people or to see them as a threat. And you have to train your mind to trust God who tells you when certain people are safe. And, you know, it's kind of like the somewhere in the middle is the truth. And the other thing that he does for me, and this is pretty cool, I think, is sometimes he says, you are right. These people aren't trustworthy, but I need you to go to this point with them and then you can walk away. Mm. And I'm like, okay, because when he tells me he is kind enough to tell me that he recognizes that I see the truth. He, he knows that I see the truth and he says, you're correct. These people aren't safe for you, but they're my people and I love them and I want to teach them something. So I'm asking you to be uncomfortable in this moment and to do what I need you to do so that I can show them that I love them. And then you can walk away and I'm going to keep you safe but I need you to trust me to do this. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. And that sanctifies you in that process. You choose to trust him. And in doing that, you will go towards what your other experiences in life have told you to run away from, to stay safe. It is teaching you what you had to rely on early was yourself. Right. You know, I know how to keep me safe and I don't trust anybody else to do that. Well, it's a huge exercise in faith while you're suffering or while you're hurt or while you're confused or while you're triggered to go, okay, God, you lead because I can't totally trust my body. Right. Because it'll tell me every time to get away. Right. And I can't totally trust my body because it'll tell me to trust and connect when I shouldn't be doing that. And Honestly, this is going to sting some people, but the Christian, more Christian people say, oh, you need to give people a second chance and you need to trust people and you need, you know, people are doing the best they can. That's not always true. It's not always true. And we encourage our Christian fellow brothers and sisters to get into bad situations or stay in them because we're supposed to be hope filled people. And the truth is, God gave us a spirit of discernment. Should we look and listen to it? He gave us the power of the Holy Spirit. He gave us access to his Holy Spirit. If we want to ask him, if you're confused about the character or nature of someone around you or even your own self, if you want to know who you really are or who the people are around you, it is God who knows all those answers. Yeah. And I have learned that if I've fallen on my face and allow myself to truly not just ask that with my mouth, but ask it in my whole being and my heart. Yeah. Who am I, God? Show that to me. Who am I, God? Who who are these people around me? Who are they really? Show me who I really can trust and show me what parts of myself I can trust and what parts of myself I can't. Right. And we are all humans and none of us are perfect. And we are going to continue to grow and learn and develop parts of ourselves and the parts of us that trust God. That Mm -hmm. is something that has to be nurtured. Yeah. And the only way to do that is to spend time in prayer with God and to give it to him over and over and over. Every time that we find that we pick up the thing that we already put down, Mm -hmm. we just got to put it back down, Mm -hmm. give it back to God. 
yeah. and let him handle it and let him show us what we need to do. And in those situations, like what I was talking about with me, he says, I see you. I see that you recognize that this person is an unsafe person. Mm-hmm. I also see that you trust me and you've told me you trust me and I'm asking you to do this for me. Put yourself in that situation. And we're not saying that all of us have to do that all the time and put yourself in situations. That's not what we're saying. But if God is calling you to to reach out to someone that may not be someone you would want to reach out to or to be in relationship for a time with someone that maybe something everybody said you know that everything in your body says get away from but if he's calling you to that then he will mm-hmm. equip you for that and he will keep you safe mm-hmm. in that but you need to make sure that it's god telling you that and not other people and not the church and not i'm sorry when i say that i don't i really don't mean to offend and if it does offend you i ask that you would take it to god and search your heart you know um not everyone's safe and not everyone in churches are safe and mm-hmm. church people hurt more people <laughs> than I would like to admit. And it makes me sad. And I have been guilty myself of hurting people and not meaning to and going about things the wrong way. And it's because I too am an imperfect human being and I am still walking this earth and still trying to, to be Christ-like. Although in this life, I will never be Christ. I'm not perfect, y'all. And I make mistakes, so I hurt people. And I'm very sorry for the people that I hurt. And we are all walking this life Mm -hmm. imperfectly. Mm -hmm. But there are times when God asks us to put ourselves in situations, and these are the situations I'm speaking of, the ones that God specifically asks you to, not other people, not anyone else. Not the shoulds. Not the you should do this, people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm talking about, did God tell you to do it? Mm-hmm. And if God told you to do it, then God's going to make a way for you and he will see you through it. And if if other people can't understand that, it's not about them mm-hmm. and they are not living your life. Mm-hmm. We all have to answer to God. We all have to stand before him and give an account of what we did with the talents and gifts and life that he gave us. No one else will answer for you. You cannot get there through anyone else's choice you have to choose Mm -hmm. and it's only through jesus christ because none of us are worthy do you have an idea for a podcast but you're not sure how to turn it into reality you need ready set podcast they make it super easy to create your own podcast they can help record edit and publish your idea they have prices to fit any budget and options for both hobbyists and professional podcasters. So if you have an idea, reach out to them for a free consultation on their website or social media at www.readysetpodcast.xyz. Ready Set Podcast, turning your brilliant idea into reality. None of us would get that, that gift of heaven and eternal connectedness with the Lord, but for Christ but who for wore Christ. our sin on his shoulders and went to the cross to suffer it. You know, he is truly the only good person that existed. Yeah. And he's the good that suffered. None of us are the good people who just walked into bad yeah, situations. We hear, we hear that, you know, like why do good people suffer? Well, funny story. We, 
we aren't good people. Why do bad like, things happen to good why people? Why do bad things happen to good people? That um, happened once. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We heard yeah. that preach. Yeah. That happened once. Yeah. That was to Christ on yeah. the cross. That's a bad thing happening to good people. Y'all, we would all be wise to study in Romans 7 where Paul recognizes that that there's nothing good in himself of himself, that the only good in him is Christ in him. And he points out and makes it very clear that we have a fight mm. that we have to fight. And if we can't put our flesh away, we will give into that. We will mm -hmm. stay in the flesh. We have to get our flesh out of the way and we have to die to our flesh daily. And that is how we, su we surrender our flesh to Christ. And that is how he rules our life. Because if we do things the way we want to <laughs> and the way we think we deserve, y'all, we think highly of ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> and we think we know better. Yes. We also have intentions that are just, our motives and intentions are not, not good. We have been told our makeup is to serve ourselves. Yes. Like we're wired to survive ourselves, protect ourselves, put ourselves first. And he it is a call when we become a Christ follower to lay that down and but, to wrestle with it. Yeah. And basically to Paul in Romans one, he he called himself what he is. He is a bond servant to Christ. Like he gave his life willingly to Christ because he knew that God mm -hmm could run his life better than he could and mm -hmm. that that if he didn't then he was going to be in trouble mm -hmm. and so when we suffer which when we are down when we when we, when the chips are like mm -hmm. and everything is crumbling around us and the yeah. chips are down and we are our most triggered activated traumatized hurt wounded suffering selves that is when there this invitation from the enemy comes here handle it this way yeah you know, you're suffering. I can make that go away instantly. Just have a drink. You know, I can. Addiction is born out of traumatic experiences because we want pain to stop as fast as we can get it to stop. And that is literally letting our flesh and our desires yeah. run our suffering. So when we talk about suffering and the choices that we have to make when we suffer, it doesn't matter. Like you were saying earlier, whether you have a zero aces or a 10, we're all still called that when we come to Christ, we're this book that instructs us on how to live is still just for the zero and the 10. It still calls us to wrestle with the flesh, That's all right. the zeros and all the tens and everyone in between still has a human wrestle that has to take place, that human part of them that wants to handle things for mm -hmm. themselves. I know that even though I'm a zero, I still have trauma. Just because yeah. you're a zero on the aces, it just means my traumas, the bulk of them happened after 18. Right. But, but I had some that happened during 18 that just some other researcher just didn't put on the list. Yeah. But certain things did occur that that traumas occurred relational wounding occurred and some of the things that i learned young is hey i can count on me i'm so strong and so resilient and i can take care of things really well by myself so i do <laughs> that's sinful yeah when i get into a suffering situation or trauma whenever my back is up against the wall my natural human tendency is to go think through it myself and find the way out. Yeah. What do I need to do to Sometimes protect me to protect me? 
And that means sometimes I sit myself in the sin of self-reliance or control. And that is sinful because I should be saying, I should first cry out and feel my feelings and go, this is really hard to God in the presence of God. To me, for me to suffer well, that includes I pull him first into my suffering, not, hey, I got this mostly figured out. I'm a therapist. I've been to school. I've been, I know what I'm doing. I'll let you know if I need you, God. That is not how I'm supposed to engage my creator and the sustainer of the whole universe who wants to have a relationship with me. I, I don't sit on that throne. I go to him first and I go, you are God. You know everything about my whole situation and everything about my heart. Show me. I need to bring my suffering to him. I need to cry out to him. I need to say, what do you want me to do? What, how shall I move through this hard thing? And I have made those mistakes and had to repent for the ways in which I took care of Bonnie when he had other alternatives that I wasn't willing to listen to because I was focusing on how do I need to fix this for myself? There are other people. I think avoidance is a big way that we get tempted to, to, act whenever we're suffering is just to push it down, act like it's not there. And, you know, that leads us down lots of other roads. But if you act like you don't have, like whatever is going on, you don't have it. Yeah. You don't hurt. It's not that bad. Denial will keep you away from the suffering you need to have in order to be sanctified. It's important that we make the time and the space to fall apart, to cry out, to express the emotions that are coursing through our bodies and our minds. Because when we shove that down, there are natural negative consequences that are going to happen because of that avoidance. Yeah. Sometimes we have to do that. We have to shove it down. Sometimes we have to put ourselves together and function and for a time. And sometimes falling apart is in order and a hundred percent appropriate and the healthy thing to do. Yeah. Suffering gets a bad rap sometimes, but Falling apart gets a bad rap. The way we handle it gets a bad rap. But sometimes it is exactly what we need in that moment. And it's the the only appropriate thing to do. Sometimes that's all you can do is mm-hmm. fall on your face mm-hmm. and cry out. And that suffering in that moment is a catalyst. And that catalyst forces us to move in one direction or the other. We either move toward God in the sanctification process, or we separate ourselves from him. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing that I've heard um, over the course of my life in different um, subjects and with different people for different reasons, but one thing that a lot of people I notice do is they want to compare their traumas and their sufferings to, to mine or mm-hmm. to yours or to someone else's. And I have, it's a little bit of a soapbox to me because I have listened to people who have suffered in their own right and have had traumatic experiences and they'll talk about their life to me and then they'll go, oh, but mine wasn't as bad as yours. And I'm like, what? What does that even mean? Because mm-hmm. it's funny to me because it kind of blows my mind a little bit because I'm like, I listened to your story and I thought it was pretty bad. You know what I mean? Like I, that, that means... It's bad. You're warranted you, to suffer. You are, yeah, you, that makes sense. You are correct. That's terrible. Mm-hmm. Like that is suffering. You are suffering. For them to stop and to look at me and go, oh, but I didn't suffer as much as you. I'm like, huh? 
it, it's confusing to me because that's not how I see it. And I recognize that a lot of people may not see it this way. Mm -hmm. But for me personally, that's one of the things that drives me bananas because this is how I feel. I truly feel that suffering is suffering is suffering. And by that, I mean, however you suffer, if it feels traumatic to you and it causes you great distress, then that is trauma to you. Yes, it's significant. It's significant. And it shouldn't be hushed away or pushed aside because you think it doesn't look as bad as that one story you heard that was maybe on the news or in mm -hmm. TV or um, that just sounds way worse. Yeah. Because, yes, my abuse history is terrible. This it, I suffered. I still suffer sometimes because of that. All of my relationships are forever changed because of the dynamic of my childhood. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That does not mean that someone with an ASUS of zero, I could sit across from this table right now like you mm -hmm. and us talking. That does not mean that the suffering that you've experienced is less than the suffering that I've experienced because it's different suffering. Mm -hmm. And maybe it happened after 18. Mm -hmm. It might mean that you had more skills more skills and more coping things than I had mm -hmm. because you had them when it happened a little older, but it doesn't change the impact that your suffering had on you. Right. It doesn't change what it feels like to you. If someone scares me and then someone scares you, <laughs> it doesn't matter if they scared me one way and you a different way. We're both so scared. scared. <laughs> that's that's the part that I want people to recognize. Yeah. Just because my trauma looks different, it's packaged different, or it may have come in a more blatantly obvious way where everybody yeah. goes, that is trauma. Yeah. Some people may not necessarily see what happened to them as trauma, but if they actually go back and unpack how it made their body feel, how they reacted, how it impacted their daily life, if it changed things about their life and how they go about relationships, if they can recognize that those things happened, then they could probably look and say, oh, that was traumatic for me. Mm -hmm. And even though it doesn't look like this trauma, it's still trauma. Mm -hmm. It still hurts us. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that I want people to, to sit back. If you're listening to this or you've listened to any of our podcasts and you've done any amount of work on yourself, um, if you've been to therapy, if you've just had conversations with friends and mm -hmm. you have ever said the words, I don't have trauma or I don't have big trauma or my life wasn't that bad. I invite you to take self inventory again with the lens of not comparing yourself to everyone else and to their trauma, mm -hmm. but looking for did did anything in this life of mine hit me in a way that caused me to feel fear, mm -hmm. that caused me to change how I do things, that caused me to see people differently? If you can answer yes to any of those big questions, those are big questions. If you can answer yes to any of those, you most certainly had trauma of some mm -hmm. sort. Mm -hmm. Then you can take it down a little bit. All of us have had, if you've lived very long, you've, probably had a loss of a loved one in your life. Mm -hmm. That's traumatic, especially if it's someone you were close to or that meant yeah. a lot to you. And even though it's normal because it's going to happen to all of yeah. us if you live long enough, 
it still impacts you in significant ways. And, and it all changes of us, mm-hmm. who we are and how right. we interact with people. It's the same. Uh, the loss of someone or uh, sometimes it's a car accident. Someone has a car accident. Maybe they didn't, maybe you didn't die from your car accident. But now every time you get in a car, you panic. Mm-hmm. You know, that means that something happened in that moment that changed something for you. Right. And we know that about trauma. It, it changes the neurobiology of our whole system. And that is why the choice to feel or reprocess what happened to you, it does change. It heals. You know, the brain, as we know, neurologically, the brain disintegrates. It breaks apart. It doesn't communicate like it did to the system before, like it does after the trauma, like it did before the trauma. Yeah. And to put those pieces back together and they can be put back together, not perfectly. You know, we're forever impacted by the traumas that we've endured and some of them don't fix. You don't just get better. So, I mean, you do get better, but you don't, it doesn't go back the way it was mm-hmm. is what I mean to say. And yeah, it looks different. It looks different. You know, there are certain reactions I'll always have because I've lived in certain situations that have put me in, in distress and I'm going to react certain ways. However, it is my job, even though I get triggered to still calm it down, regulate that, pull Jesus, pull God into the equation, say, help me not respond the way that I usually or want to, the way my body wants to respond to this in this moment. I have got to work on reactions, trauma responses, as we call them. They're born out of pain. They're born out of ways I needed to, I felt I needed when I was younger to protect myself. But that doesn't mean they get to stay because some of those trauma responses that we have are rooted in our carnal fleshly desires mm-hmm. to choose us over the relationship right. or choose us over another person and they're the impact of our reactions upon them. As we talk about this, I want to mention resilience because we took, along with this ACE test, we also took two resiliency tests and one of them was rooted in, what was it about? Basically, it was rooted in what was already the support system that you already had within your family of origin or your mm. system. It right. wasn't really connected necessarily to what you did, to but you. what was available yes. to you at the time. Yes. So the first one that we talked, we're going to talk about briefly was just the one that was, like she said, available to you. It was about your family's support mm-hmm. that you had. The other one that we took was in about our innate mm-hmm. resiliency, which means what is inside of us? What were we born with? And mm-hmm. we, we want to talk about that for a second. So the first one was the one that talked about protective factors that we had as a child or, or a other supports that were other already supports in place. that were in place. And so on that test, there were, it's just 14 questions and you go through them and you answer if you had it, if you didn't have it. And then afterwards it says of these circled ones, how many are still true for me? And I'm just, we're going to tell our scores just because we're, it's the same as like the ACE test. Right. We want to just show the differences. So Yeah. So the questions that they're asking are like, do you believe you were loved? How do you know you were loved? There was evidence of it here or so-and-so I enjoyed this or that. I enjoyed being played with and also having those experiences. So they're good, positive experiences. Some of them are. And some of them are like we had rules in our house and we're expected to keep them. You know, it's, it's just, it's basically what you were given 
mm-hmm. as a child, right. protective factors. Were you giving them? Weren't you giving them? These are the basic questions, and these were our scores. <laughs> so the highest you could get was 14, 14, and the lowest you could get is obviously zero. So for me, I had five. Mm-hmm. And then of these, how many are still true for me now? Of those, only four of the five are still true for me today. And for you, 14 of the 14. (laughs) (laughs) And how many are still true for you? Thanks, mom and dad. Um, 14. 14. So again, kind of like with the ACE test, you had a score of zero on the ACE. Mm -hmm. And on your protective Mm -hmm. um, factors as a child, you had 14 out of 14. And you still believe that those 14 out of 14 are still true for you today. Yeah, Yeah. And for me... I had a nine on the ACE and five protective factors, which I only believe four are in play now Mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. So that's vastly different. Yeah. The impact is very huge. And so when we look at, so knowing what we know, when we think about our innate resilience, we expect that there's going to be a very vast, distance between us Mm -hmm. so it's funny y'all that we took the next test that we took that talks about your resiliency and it has to do with the resilience that's innate in you Mm -hmm. your personality your like temperament how you think so it kind of jumps into your psyche and says how do you perceive this situation when this when the chips are down how do you think Right. And so it asks you a series of questions. It makes statements and then asks you a series of different questions and you rank them as I strongly believe that or I strongly don't or I strongly act in that way or I don't. And so there's a it's kind of a scaling question. And so I bet if we ask people like, look at these experiences of these two women, what do you expect their resiliency score to be? I think your answer is what. I'm just going to say what I assume your answer would be is you would expect that mine would be pretty darn high, given that I've had a good foundation to launch from. Right. And that yours would not be because you did not have much of a a strong foundation and experiences to launch from. Right. You would be very surprised to know. And God be hilarious. (laughs) True. My resiliency score. This is a score you get from zero to 100. Yep. A hundred is you are the most resilient human on the planet. Zero is you are not resilient at all. Not one even little mm-hmm. iota. So my score was an 84. And mine was an 82. <laughs> Two points, y'all. Two yeah. points different. And we looked at each other like, and this is why we're friends. We think this a lot the same when it comes to the trials we face. And how we fight through them. Neither you nor I, we don't quit things. Like yeah. we don't go, oh, it's real hard. Oh, well, let's just lay here and die. You yeah. know, we, we don't do that. We kick it into gear. Like it, we believe, we have a sense about, we believe like we have to fight and we will fight yeah. to, to be on the other we're side We're not of this. quitting. No. We're going to stick it out. We're going to persevere. Mm-hmm. It looks very different how we come about, how, how we come to those places of resilience and how we fight our way out looks very different. Mm -hmm. But both of us have an innate ability to fight. Like we want 
we want to survive. We want to thrive. Mm -hmm. We, if God puts something in front of us and asks us to do something, we are going to do it. We're like, we're going to figure it out. We, we don't do know what, what you we're want. doing. We don't know how this is going to happen, but we're going to keep digging until we get there because yeah. God says. <laughs> that's that's the truth. And so what's funny is on this te- on this resiliency score, you can take it yourself if you want to. It's re- it's um resiliencyquiz.com is where it's at. And um it's y'all these are just guides. These are not Right. These are not going to blow your mind and like give you some great revelation of yourself or anything like that. Well, maybe it's it just, will if you're in denial. I don't know about <laughs> but it's probably not going to. But it it does show you where you where you could possibly fall. And for this particular test, when we tell you she has an 84, I have an 82, 80 or higher is very resilient. And what that means is that you show these similar qualities and some of these qualities are you defend yourself well, you have intuition, you take initiative, you read others, you have empathy for others, you expect things to work out a certain way. And if they don't, then you mm-hmm. keep persisting to, to make that happen. Mm-hmm. You're able to adapt quickly. You have a solid sense of self-esteem and self-confidence and it is only God. And that's what, this is what blows our mind a little bit. It is only through God Mm -hmm. that this is even possible, that we can come from such vastly different places, such vastly different lives, and both find ourselves here on the resiliency scale. It doesn't seem likely or possible that that would be even an option for for me right to have some of the things that i have innately mm-hmm. built in my character unless you know god mm-hmm. because god fashioned me the way that i am to endure the things that i had to endure for his purpose and, and to bring him glory and to bring him glory and when we talk about suffering, we recognize that all of us will suffer at some point. We all have suffered and we will continue to suffer. What does it look like when you're suffering? Are you able to take it to God, go within, take it to God, give it to him and let him direct how you handle those situations or do you stay stuck in your suffering which means avoid it not look at it not go to him with it run away from him because we all have i think we're all guilty of that when we hurt we we run too when i'm mad at god sometimes well i don't know i i may run away or be distant but most of the time i just tell him how mad i am at him <laughs> you know like but even running to him with the things that you were mad at him about or yeah. God, I wanted this outcome. And you're telling me that's not the outcome that's going to happen here. It's a hard no, Bonnie. That is really hard to accept. But whenever you don't get what you want or you don't get, you've been praying for healing, you don't get it. You've been praying for restoration. You don't get it. You've been praying for all the, the good outcomes that our good God gives us. And he says, that's not what I'm doing here. Do you accept that even though it's hard to accept? Do you yeah. still stay with him and still stay in connection with him even when it's not what you what Do you, you still trust him? Mm-hmm. Do you still love him? Do you still know that he 
loves you? Do you still know that he wants what's best for you and he is doing what's best for you even when it's not in line with what you want? Yeah. And even when it's not in line with what you thought your life would look like or what you thought your life would be or what you thought you understood God to want for you. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we think that we have an idea of what God wants for us or what God, sometimes it's just what we wanted. Right. Sometimes we, God will give us the desires of our hearts. And sometimes that desire, as we well know, is not in line with what God wants. And sometimes not in it's our not. Best interest, but he, does but he allows it, it because mm -hmm. that's what we want. Yeah. So I encourage you to be honest with yourself. Get real honest with yourself. Take a look at yourself. Do a little self-reflection and ask God to help you see in your suffering where he is, how he shows up, where you try to take control and where you want to be in control mm -hmm. and to show you how to submit to him. Y'all, when you ask him to show you those things, things are going to be hard. Mm -hmm. He's going to show you how to submit. Well, how do you learn how to submit? I know. You're put into submission. I know. So and that also, means it's going to be mm -hmm. hard. Mm -hmm. And some of the things that I that are coming to me right now are like, sometimes we suffer about a situation and sometimes it's for a season and it ends. Yeah. And sometimes the answer is this will be your life. Yep. Like some of the things that we suffer with are not going away. Yep. You know, if you are chronically ill, some of your illness may never leave this side of heaven. If you are, if you have PTSD, like you and I do, you know, to some degree that lives within our body. Our body has tracked a score of what has been harmful and damaging. And we have to live in these bodies until we're not in them anymore. And so, and sometimes God will take that. Yep. And sometimes he won't. Sometimes he says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, we should boast all the more gladly. In because our suffering. Because when we're weak, he's made strong. Yeah. That's a word. And that's not what the world tells you about suffering. Get up, get back out there and make yourself feel good with all these things like toxic positivity or just fill your head with we are supposed to, suffering is the thing that refines us. We're allowed to suffer. It yeah. is for our benefit that we do. You know, earlier we were listening to a sermon about from Jackie Hill Perry, and she was saying, you know, the, the drops of suffering we get on this earth sometimes protects us from the hell we would have gotten had we not had a taste of it beforehand. Yeah. It kind of keeps you refined whenever you suffer there are certain times where you've told me like i think if my life got too good i might not be as reliant on him it's this true might not be good for me it's true and i know that and i know that about myself and yeah. i know that god knows me yeah and even it's though true. it's hard and even though this life is hard and sometimes i want things to have been different or to be different they're not mm -hmm. and we have to accept what god has for us that doesn't mean we can't ask for things to be different. But how we react in our suffering and in our lives moving forward is important. And how you handle your suffering 
people are watching you. People are watching us. If you call yourself a Christian and you align yourself with God and you're suffering and in your suffering, you cause more suffering to other people, you might want to repent for that and recognize that even in our suffering, even in our hurt, we can still be kind, we can still be gracious, we can still point people to Christ, even in our suffering. And we can use the experiences that we have had in our life, both traumatic um, and hard, to point people back to Him. Mm-hmm. To being to bring glory to Him, and also bring hope to other people. If you, with your ACEs score of nine, <laughs> have endured such hard things and you have found your way to the truth of God and a deep relationship with him, everyone can get there if they so choose. It is a choice. It is a choice. And he loves us and he is gracious and he will meet us where we are. And that's the thing. We think we are, you're not doing in this alone. Mm-hmm. You may feel alone. It does sometimes that feel that way. Sometimes it feels that way. But he is fighting for us. What I tell my clients all the time, are you are you wanting and willing to participate in the rescue story that you've got? Like there's a rescue story already plotted out. You just have to participate in it. Would you like to be rescued? Would you like to be healed? Would you like to be different? Would you like to be changed? And sometimes it's hard because y'all change is hard. It's scary. Well, sure. But sure. we are not alone. He sees us, he knows us, he loves us. He is Elroy, the God who saves. Thanks for listening to the God Be Crazy podcast. If the message of the podcast resonates with you, please make sure to subscribe or follow so that you never miss an episode. We also encourage you to rate and review it on your favorite podcast platform. By doing this, you may help others hear the podcast as well. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or just share it the good old-fashioned way. Talk about it with the people in your life. It is our hope that you will be blessed and strengthened by the truth and crazy love of God. 